So starting off just before we get into it, Ephesians says in uh, chapter 1, it says, God decided in advance to adopt us into his family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Isn't that good? So if you're in doubt that it was, was not a plan, there it is in black and white in the Bible that it was God's plan that you be adopted, that you be brought into his family in that. So uh, just as we move through, so the, the first one is forgiveness. Now, if you write family down the side, it'll be greatly helpful to you. So the first one is forgiveness. There in a family and, and as part of running your race, you need to realize there is forgiveness for you. And there is, uh, you know, it's nothing you can earn. It's nothing that you can uh, do by your own merits. It has been paid by what Jesus did, by his blood. There is no, it doesn't matter how early up in the morning you get in, pray. It doesn't matter how many uh, people, um, starving people you feed. You cannot earn your salvation. You cannot earn that. You cannot earn your forgiveness it was paid once and for once and for all. How we live after that, according to God, is a, is a different situation. But the actual fact, you have forgiveness, and it is a fact. It is here and now. It is something you don't need to strive through. But one thing that I become aware of so often is we have an adversary. And the Bible calls him Lucifer or the devil or Satan. And he will attempt to attack your mind. And that's why the Bible talks about the putting on the armor of God. And one of the parts of the armor that it talks about putting on is the helmet of self-mind. He's coming and he's, and he's whispering in your ear, you're not good. You're not, it doesn't, you're, you know, everyone else's family is good, but yours isn't good. You can't come, you know, nothing good can come from their family. And, and he just chips away and chips away and chips away. And situations chip away. But the Bible says in Ephesians 6 that we're to put on the helmet of salvation. It starts off, I'll just read the full thing uh, for context. Uh, verse 10, it says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and mighty in his power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil and the heavenly realms. Therefore put on the full armour of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to take your, uh, stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, then stand firm. Interesting, really interesting. Just stand still. Like God has won the battle, all we need to do is stand still in the victory, is what it's saying. Stand firm with the belt of, of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, which, with which you can extinguish all flaming arrows of the evil one, take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Isn't that great? So God has given us tools for different situations, and 
Salvation is one of them. So that's great. So salvation or forgiveness for you. The second thing he's given us is forgiveness for each um, forgiveness for each other. And what I mean by that is we need to put on the fact that we are forgiven. We need to realize that we are forgiven and actually accept it. But we also need to have the ability to forgive other people. You see, if I am forgiven, but then I choose to fail to forgive someone else, the Bible says that God will not forgive me. So I can put on the helmet of salvation and I can get the fact that, I'm, uh, that I have forgiveness. But if I harbor unforgiveness towards another person, resentments towards another person, God will go back and he will cross it out and it will not count. Isn't that interesting? You see, when we choose to actually have unforgiveness towards other people, it's not them we're harming as much as ourselves eternally by hanging on to that. We must deal with our unforgiveness. Matthew chapter 6, verse 14 says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, then your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. So um, it's conditional. If you want to be forgiven, you must forgive. We must forgive. I must forgive. And uh, I was chatting to someone yesterday, uh, last night, um, who's really struggling in this area. And, uh, you know, and they've been in the Lord a long time, so they're not new to it. They, they know the Bible and that. And they just have real deep kind of issues with some people that have really got them wound up. And I said, do you take communion? Yeah. When did you last take communion? Last week. And I said, well, I have an issue with that. How can you take communion when you've got that, that, that happening in your heart? You should be bringing your heart into line and then taking communion in line with that. You cannot take communion if your heart's completely out of alignment. You need to sort this, sort this stuff out. Um, because we do. We, you know, one of the most helpful things I had as a police officer was the fact that I would come to church, I would come to the table, and I would have to search my heart, and I would think back to people who had maybe spat in my face that week or kicked me or bitten me or headbutted me, and I would have to be able to forgive them. Or God says he won't forgive me. So it's either I do it or he doesn't do it. So I had to come and this little you know, piece of bread and cup of wine or symbolic wine would become my testing place on a weekly basis. And I'd just come to God. I'd say, search my heart, God. You know, is there anyone, anyone, bring them, bring them forward in my heart. Like, let me know about them and I'll deal with it. Um, and, and God was gracious, man. Because I tell you what, when you come to God with that attitude, he will give you the tools you need to actually, I don't know how he does it, but the Holy Spirit can do it. If you need to be able to move through and over a situation like this, ask God for the grace 
to be able to forgive people and he will give it to you. He will give you the tools and you'll just, you'll just go, wow, where's that hatred gone? It's just gone. I don't, like yesterday I was angry and I was thinking all these nasty things and I had a doll and I was sticking pins in the doll of them, you know. But today I threw the doll in the rubbish, you know. I threw it in the fire. Uh, I'm not saying they're rubbish, you know, mate, yeah. But, uh, you know, it, everything has changed. Everything feels different today. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He do, and he doesn't always explain it. So we don't know in the natural how it all works, but he just does all this incredible stuff. So we need to understand forgiveness. We are forgiven and we need to forgive. It's a two-pronged thing. The second thing is abode, which means a place of residence. You have a place in the family. And again, it can't be earned. It's just you have a place in the kingdom of God. You have a place. You belong. And it doesn't matter how many times you say, I don't belong here and that. You belong. If you've given your life to God and you honor him and everything, you, you are part of his family. He's adopted you. And, and you, can't, you, know, you can't undo it. If you've been adopted by God, well, you, know, you can walk away. You always have the choice to walk away. But what I mean is it can't, it can't be snatched from you. It can't be pinched from you. It's a place that God has given you. And the devil cannot undo that. You are a child of God. And so with that comes a, lear- a learning about the culture. What have you been, um, what is the place that you find yourself in? Learn about the culture, the kingdom of God. Do you understand the culture of the kingdom of God? Do you understand how it operates? Do you understand how where to operate? Because there is a kingdom culture and it's alive and well at Lane Park Church. Now, we're, we're full of people, and we always, you know, you bring people into any organization, and you can have the best organization in the world with the best intentions. You bring people in, and, and it will be spoiled, because we bring our humanity to it, don't we? And I don't mean that in a negative, down kind of way, but we're, we're imperfect, but we try, you know, we do our best, and we be gracious and everything, so, and, that, and so we don't have to be perfect all we have to do is try and bring it to God and trust God and let him work it out through and keep listening to God all the way through. Sometimes God will say, you got that wrong. You need to go and apologize to someone. And then we need to go and apologize to them. Sometimes God will say, you need uh, that person's struggling. You need to give them some money. So we go and give them some money. It may be, you know, some other need that God will talk to us about. But there is a kingdom at work and and I was looking up on our website, we have some values, and uh, they predate me, but I think they're fantastic, and so I'm going to tell you about them today. You, I guess a whole bunch of you know them because they're your values. They predate me, as I've said, but I, I totally agree with them. And if you look on the, uh, f- the website to the Lane Park Church, the first one, we highly value people. We highly value people. That's a good one, eh? That's pretty good. Number two, we highly value others above ourselves. Ooh, that's really good. That's really, I really like that one. That's really good. Third one, we are quick to forgive. We are quick to forgive. That's a good one too. Really good. 
Fourth one, we walk in integrity. Integrity is doing publicly what we do in privately. It's like, you know, like, it's not like we have secret lives and that we're actually not, we're not hypocritical with the real deal. What you see here is what you see in other places and that we don't say one thing and do another. I remember, I think I've told you the story again, so I'm just conscious of not telling stories again, but I've worked with people previously who have said to staff, I'm going to do this and this and this because staff decide they have an issue and they bring it up. And so the boss says, I'm going to do this and this and this and instigate this. And then I'm talking to him over lunch the next week and he says, I have no intention of doing any of that stuff. What a boss. Whoa. What a boss. Not, you know? I mean, that's poor. That's really poor. That's called hypocrite. Um, And number five, we all have a part to play. We all have a part to play. And part of the fun is you need to figure out where that is. You need to figure out where that is. You need to figure out where your passions lie. What what keeps you up at night? What do you think about? You know, what what do you want to do with your life and that? And then figure out some stuff because I don't think that's an accident. I think God puts passion in our heart. He makes us creative or he makes us whatever we are because God has wired us that way and it's not like, okay, well, I'm, I've joined a church and I'm really creative, but I'm actually going to do admin or I'm really going to do something the opposite of creative because that's just how God rolls. No, I don't think that's God. I think God creates us creative and then he plants us in a family and he harnesses those gifts and he actually uses them in that way. It may be that you're administrative So he's not going to put you, you're not going to be at your best in a creative role if you're not creative. Or, you know, in square peg, round hole kind of scenario. And I think that's the cool thing is figuring out where your passion is and then how it translates to serving in the kingdom of God and even Lane Park Church. At some point in a short time, I, I want to do a, a sign-up Sunday where we actually uh, promote a bunch of different serving areas to you, and you can ha- actually have a look. And if you're not serving, and I'm not for, I, I personally don't, uh, don't think it's the greatest practice for people to be serving in lots of different areas, because I think it just wears everyone out. I reckon, although some people are super talented in a number of areas and they seem to have endless amounts of energy, but as a general rule, I think it's better that if people are good in an area, they do one thing and they do it really, really, really well. And then if everyone did that, everything in church would be done really, really, really well. And no one would say, oh, you know, that's, oh, that's not very, it's not done very well. No, everything would be done well. And everyone would have energy because they'd be working in their strengths. And they wouldn't be worn out because they're not doing 15 things because everyone is doing their one thing. So everyone playing their part. On to the M, which is medicine. Medicine. God has given us medicine. Isn't that good? He knew that we would need medicine. Here's the two medicines. The Holy Spirit, which journeys with us, guides us, speaks to us, brings us alive teaches us how to share with other people about God's great love, God's great plan for other people. 
And the second thing is the Bible, which brings correction into our life, teaches us how to live fully, how to be engaged, how, how um, God has designed us to work. It's great, eh? So the Holy Spirit doing the live, livening and the, and the guidebook is the Bible. It's there to tell us how everything's designed to run. Mark chapter 13 says, Before the end comes, this is verse 10, Before the end comes, the good news must be told to all nations. Even when you are arrested and put on trial, don't worry about what you will say. Say whatever God tells you at the time. It will not be you speaking. It will be the Holy Spirit. Isn't that cool? You don't need to worry. You know, sometimes I have to remind myself this. I, I think, oh, what am I going to share? Can I remember all my notes? And, and you know, and, and sometimes I think, oh, flip, I should just throw flipping notes out and just speak on stage and actually trust God. But I, but I don't. I still use notes because there's a little bit of discipline and that kind of stuff. And I don't think you guys want to just stand here while I have a mind blank for 30 minutes at a time. Proverbs chapter 17 says, A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. So a cheerful heart. You know, the Bible guides us in in good thinking, and it gives us lots and lots of advice like this. You know, if we've got a crushed spirit, we need to figure out what to do about that because it will, like the Bible says, it will dry up the bones. It will dry us up. It will suck our life out of us. But we can watch some, you know, get around some people who are humorous, funny, happy, and it will actually have a difference in our lives. Next one is identity. Identity. And this is a really interesting thing because we have two, two things kind of following on from this. We have our individualistic identity as individuals, and we have a collective identity as the kingdom of God. And we need to figure out where we fit and how we respond in both ways. Because I have a part to play as an individual. I mean, I'm a, I'm a husband. Uh, I have a job. It's a pastor, so I have a job to do that has an identity. I'm a husband that has an identity. I'm a, I'm a father of three kids. I'm, I'm part of a, a tribe of countless human beings, in my family, my natural family. I can't even count. I think I've lost count of them. There's so many. They're like rabbits. It's true. They are. I've really lost count. There's so many nieces and nephews and great, great nieces and nephews. It's, I've given up. I'm going to digress a sec. Do you know um, one of the most exciting things I heard a few years ago was New Life Churches back in the 80s, like lots of other churches planted a bunch of churches around the world and one of the places that they planted churches in was India and they went and planted churches and then those churches planted churches and those churches planted churches and now a few years back they were actually trying to get a handle on how many churches are there and New Life churches well they kind of know New Zealand's around 80 just over 80 but how many internationally and New Life Churches international? Guess what? No idea. 
completely lost the train. The train has run. They've got no idea. They can't. It's like, a, a, you know, just out of control because churches are planting churches. Isn't that a cool story? So they've got no idea. So it's, I guess, New Life Churches International Unlimited or something. Yeah. So we need to figure out where we fit in. Um, but I love what Galatians says. It says, So I am no longer the one living. It is Christ living in me. I still live in my body, but I live by faith in the Son of God. He is the one who loved me and gave himself for me. That's a great scripture. So, so there is who I am, Dean Olson, the natural guy, the guy who has got saved as a 15-year-old and, and all his humanly background rubbish and, and all the good rubbish that God has done and all the good stuff from the natural background as well, all kind of thrown together. And, and it creates this tension because, you know, there's that, but then there's the kingdom of God stuff. And so we have to, and I find that exciting, this whole tension between uh, what we were, what we are, and what we're meant to be. I find that fascinating and exciting journey. And, but I know for a lot of us, that can actually be a pain in the neck if we just see the here and now. But we need to realize that, that when we're in stuff now, we're actually part of a journey. And what we're going to be in 10 years' time is not what we are today. And what we are today is not what we were 10 years ago. So we actually need to realize, you know, take a big kind of macro view on the whole thing and actually realize that we're part of a process that God is doing in our lives and in his kingdom of moving things forward, taking things forward. You know, he says, I've got a better day for you. You know, there are better days ahead. Why is that? Because he's doing a work in our lives. You know, he talks about that we'll be presented spotless. Why is that? Because I'm not spotless now, not in the natural. You know, but through God, by faith, in the future, he's doing a work in me. He's doing a work in you. We're all a process. We're all a part of what God is doing. And, and I just find that so exciting, watching people grow. I mean, we're talking about Courtney. You know, I've been watching her growing this year and it's just blown me away with the potential that she has and, you know, and I haven't seen a ceiling to it. So I know she's not in an end. She's got more growing to do. So that's super cool. But we're all on that kind of, of growth thing and, that, and it's been uh, exciting watching all the youth leaders grow this year. Next one is life. John 10.10, 10, a thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came to give life, life that is full and good. Guess what? That doesn't always mean comfort. Hey, like Jesus said, you know, they've done bad stuff to me, they're going to do it to you too. It's not always, but, but life will still be full. Life will still be good in God through it. He still journeys with us through everything. So it doesn't, as I've said before, 
God doesn't have a magic wand that he waves and takes away all the pain and suffering. Pain and suffering is part of this world. We live in a fallen world and it's full of pain and suffering and we can't sidestep that. We're to be the light in the middle of that and shine out regardless of whatever situation we find ourselves in. The worse it is, the worse you shine. The worse, worse it is, the, the better you can be the more effective you can be as you look to God and you're true to God and uh, just love people. Rick Warren says, uh, God is more interested in your character than your comfort. God is more interested in making your life holy, uh, more interested in making your life holy than he is in making your life happy. Isn't God mean? No, he's not. He's thinking big picture. He's thinking big picture. He's thinking macro. He's thinking end result, end game. Like a coach puts the All Blacks through hard training sessions so that when it comes to the battles on the field, they will perform better. May they perform better tonight. Not slating them for last week. I thought they... They did really well last week, considering how long it's been. Got to dig myself out of a hole for all the avid rugby players now. And the last one is why you. It's you and your contribution to this family. You have talents, you have time, and you have treasure. And God wants to use all of them and give you an opportunity to use all of them to impact his world and his people, and people outside of his world, people in the world who are lost, who are broken, who need someone to sit down beside them and say, you know, there's someone who cares about you. You know, I love you. You know, you're special. You're loved. Do you want a Big Mac? Show me you love me. Buy me a Big Mac. No, no, don't, please. Actually, I need to join the gym and have a few less Big Macs somehow. You know, if you're not sure where it all starts, start with your heart. I've realised that when I give my full heart and I'm just open to him, he guides me. Sometimes I won't, you know, I'll just know he wants to do something and I'll just say, Lord, you know, I'm just available. You open the doors and I'll take them. If I know you've opened a door, I'll go through that door. And I've, I've always used that. I mean, there's been countless times where I'm, I wasn't exactly sure, was it, you know, what exactly was the perfect will of God? Because he doesn't, I don't always hear, I don't know, does anyone hear absolutely everything God says? I, sometimes I've... Well, I, th- I think 95% was the will of God, but maybe is the 5% right? You know, the last 5%. So, so I've used what I call an open door policy. I've said to God, if it's not your will, will you close the door? If it is your will, will you open the door? And if you open the door and I know it's you and I have a piece and it lines up with the Bible, so there's some common sense kind of stuff there, I will take it. Unless the peace goes, and that has happened as well. All the doors have opened, but then the peace has changed, and God and I know, and God has been saying, "Listen to this as well. It's important." 
So in conclusion, you're welcome. You're welcome here. Whoever you are, wherever you're from, you're welcome. You have a place here. Come as you are, but don't stay where you are. Be ready to grow, ready to enter into God, ready to go harder, and receive from this family, but also be ready to invest into this family because it's a two-way stream. We give and we get. We give and we get. We give and we get. And I'll pray. Father, I thank you, God, that you love family. You recognize that Adam was alone and he needed family. And so you created Eve and you gave them the ability to create others. And you said, multiply, make family. We thank you, it's your idea, not ours. And I just pray for every single person here this morning that uh, feels alone, feels like they're not part of a family, that you, Holy Spirit, will speak to them right now and remind them the fact that they have family. They are part of a family, the family of God, the kingdom of God, part of you, part of us. We pray. Be with us this week. Whatever we do, wherever we go, may we shine for you. May we take your light, your life, your hope with us. Change this world outside of this building. Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you want prayer for anything, I know I zipped through quite a few topics and that, but if it stirred up anything in your uh, heart and that that you want prayer for or you want to talk to anyone, uh, there's life group leaders, there's elders, um, I'm around. Feel free to um, sing out, get prayer, talk through stuff. Um, Have a great week. May you change this world which needs a big hand in Jesus' name.